Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning and welcome everyone. This is Manna for Breakfast and this is for Sunday the 21st of May, and we're going to be looking at Psalm 4, 5, and 6, as well as John chapter 7 today. So if you want to find your place in the Bible, we'll get into um, the Word, but let's first take a moment and pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for everybody that's online and here to hear from you and to give you, God, their full attention. We ask, God, that you would teach us, you would guide us in your word. Help us understand, God, the things that you want us to see in these psalms as well as in the teachings Jesus gave. So we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm chapter 4 says, Answer me when I call, O God, of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O sons of men, how long will my honor become a reproach? How long will you love what is worthless and aim at deception? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly man for himself. The Lord hears when I call him. Tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are saying, who will show us any good? Lift up the light of your countenance upon us, O Lord. You have said gladness in my heart, more than when their grain and their wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. If this is written in that time span in uh, chronological order when David is in power and after he's made some drastic mistakes, it's pretty amazing that he has, again, he turns his heart back towards the Lord. And, and he's always coming back to that place where he's content with God giving him all things. And he as a king can gain anything he wants for himself, but his main thing that he gets from the Lord is is not to follow after his own lusts, but to trust in the Lord, to meditate in his bed and be still and realize that God is the one who raises up and takes down kings. And that God is there, that he can hear him. And that God is the one that, the only one that brings him peace. The only one that will bring any of us peace so that we can lie down and sleep. Psalm 5 prayer protection from the wicked. For the choir director, for flute, accompaniment, a psalm of David. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Heed the sound of my cry for help, my King and my God. For to you I pray. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. 
The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all who do iniquity. You destroy those who speak falsehood. The Lord abhors the man of bloodshed and deceit. But as for me, by your abundant loving kindness, I will enter your house. At your holy temple, I will bow in reverence for you. O Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my foes. Make your way straight before me. There is nothing reliable in what they say. Their inward part is destruction itself. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Hold them guilty, O God. By their own devices, let them fall. In the multitude of their transgressions, thrust them out. For they are rebellious against you. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. And may you shelter them. That those who love your name may exalt in you. For it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as with a shield. Again, the amazing trust that David has. The amazing thing that he's always relating back to finding that time with God, either on his bed to think about and meditate or going to his holy temple to bow in reverence, which is interesting. This is before the physical temple is built, but he had the tent there with the tabernacle, but probably had a great understanding of the holy temple that was in heaven and how we ascend in our prayers to be before God. And of course, the understanding that those who do not trust in God will fall before him. There was a very clear sense in the mind of David between the righteous and the unrighteous, between the two types of people in the world and the way the world exists as it is. And most people today don't really realize that. They try and want to run the middle ground. But you either for him or against him, as Jesus said. Psalm 6, prayer for mercy in the time of trouble for the choir director with stringed instruments upon an eight-stringed lyre, a psalm of David. So psalm, David's writing these as worship songs. It would have been amazing to hear these put to music. And obviously in a language we could understand. But it would have been a phenomenal type of worship song. So David's very much pro-worship songs as we sing before the Lord. Verse 1, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am pining away. Heal me, O Lord. For my bones are dismayed, and my soul is greatly dismayed. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, rescue my soul, save me because of your loving kindness. For there is no mention of you in death, in Sheol, who will give you thanks. I am weary in my sighing. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve in my couch with my tears. My eye is wasted away with grief. It has become old because of all my adversaries. Depart from me, all you who do iniquity. For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord receives my prayer. All my enemies will be ashamed and greatly dismayed. They will turn back. They will suddenly be ashamed. Again, it's fascinating to me how David writes these so that other people can sing them. And I would imagine identify with the things that he goes through. He has these nights where he's meditating upon the goodness of God and his protection. He has other nights where he's swimming in his tears and pouring it all out to the Lord. And he feels overwhelmed. And yet in that, pouring his heart out to the Lord, he then comes to realize that God still is on the throne. 
that the Lord does hear his supplication, that the Lord receives his prayer and does something about it. So he comes back to trusting in the Lord. All the time when we have those moments where life just seems so incredibly tough and everything's falling apart, we can pour our heart out. And in so doing, and in worship, by the way, these are worship songs. And in worshiping the Lord, singing those songs, God can revive us and bring us back into the throne room and where we can feel his presence and become strengthened in him. John chapter 7 now. After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because of the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths, was near. Therefore his brother said to him, Leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples also may see your works which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers were believing in him. So Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here. But... Your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it, that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast because my time is not yet fully come. Having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. So the Jews were seeking him at the feast, and were saying, Where is he? There was much grumbling among the crowds concerning him. Some were saying, He is a good man. Others were saying, No. On the contrary, he leads the people astray. Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. But when it was now in the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began to teach. The Jews then were astonished, saying, How has this man become learned? having never been educated. So Jesus answered and said to them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know of the teaching, whether it is of God or whether I speak from myself. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who is seeking the glory of the one who sent him, he is true. And there is no unrighteousness in him. Did not Moses give you the law, and yet none of you carries out the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, You have a demon who seeks to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one deed, and you all marvel. For this reason Moses has given you circumcision, not because it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And on the Sabbath, you circumcise a man. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses will not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge according to righteous judgment. Okay, we'll stop there because I actually went past where I'm supposed to go, but it was so good. I decided just to keep reading. So Jesus is, is again brought before all the people who are seeking to understand or question who he, who he is, and he quite plainly gives them an understanding. Why the brothers want him to go up to the feast to show himself publicly, we can only guess that they see him as a revered rabbi and say, hey, if, if the world is following you as a, as a 
rabbi and you're to be popular among the people, you should go up and show yourself. But he was unwilling because they did not understand. They did not believe in him. He did not understand that he was going to show himself not as a learned and popular rabbi, but as the savior of the world and the lamb of God. That time for the crucifixion had not yet come. So he went up as if secretly, or another guess is maybe the rabbis knew who Jesus's brothers were and would have been looking for Jesus among his brothers. And Jesus, not wanting to be found out at that time or even protect his brothers from the Jewish persecution of the rabbis, decided to go up secretly. So he goes up and, of course, he explains, tries to explain again his ministry and um, tries to understand that the teach he was not trying to gain a following like the other rabbis by his own teachings or popularity. He was the son of God, receiving the word directly from God. And all of the, the other Jews were trying to figure out how he could be so wise, not having followed one of the major rabbis and got the education. But he's trying to show them, as we read yesterday, that he was the manna, the word that had come down from God and trying to give them an understanding that he had the power to heal and that power to give life and that he makes this comparison with the Sabbath. He had he was the good shepherd that was willing to understand and work through the law of Moses but to accomplish healing. So that's John chapter 7. And then we'll look over real quickly at Charles Spurgeon for today. Rain without clouds? Never title of Charles Spurgeon's meditation today. Ecclesiastes 11.3, if the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. Why then do we dread the clouds which now darken the sky? True, for a while they hide the sun, but the sun is not quenched. He will shine out again before long. Meanwhile, those black clouds are filled with rain, and the blacker they are, the more likely they are to yield plentiful showers. How can we have rain without clouds? Our troubles have always brought us blessings, and they always will. They are the dark clouds of bright grace. These clouds will empty themselves before long, and every tender herb will be the gladder for the shower. Our God may drench us with grief, but he will not drown us with wrath. Nay, he will refresh us with mercy. Our Lord's love letters often come to us in black-edged envelopes. His wagons rumble, but they are loaded with benefit. His rod blossoms with sweet flowers and nourishing fruits. Let us not worry about the clouds, but sing because mayflowers are brought to us through the April clouds and showers. O Lord, the clouds are the dust of thy feet. How near thou art in the cloudy and dark day. Love beholds thee and is glad. Faith sees the clouds emptying themselves and making the little hills rejoice on every side. So, Father, we thank you for the knowledge we have in you that you can make all the dark days into bright futures, that you can take the dark things looming over us and release the blessings that can come from them that water the things around us and make them grow. Certainly we grow through the trials and the tribulations. 
and when it, the sky, sky looks fearful and things around us are rumbling and dark, help us to do what Charles Spurgeon says, to realize that you are raising up for us. You're bringing something into the future that will be beautiful and that we can see benefit and growth from. So we thank you for those things. As you continue to teach us to have that kind of faith and trust in you. And we will, like David, bring our, our sorrows and our tears to you in the, in, in the nighttime. And we will call out to you and ask you for help. But God, help us to then meditate upon our beds and to think of you and to worship you and to realize that you hear our prayers and that you are a good God and that you will change the situation. You will bring about a brighter tomorrow. And you will not only that, but bring us into your throne room and you will lavish upon us grace upon grace upon grace. So thank you. And I'm thinking, Father, right now of some people going through some very dark times, people that are sick, people that have difficulties in their lives right now, that have uncurable cancer or seemingly uncurable or other diseases that are resisting treatment, very dark storm clouds. We pray for them, God, that through this, you're going to bring something beautiful, that those showers will bring out something amazing. Help us to trust you in that and see the way you're working. That's the same with marriages, God, when everything looks at their worst and it seems like nothing will save the marriage. Somehow, God, you can work a miracle. So we pray for those marriages that are in jeopardy right now, that you bring healing upon them and that you would bring some bright future days. Help each one in the marriage to fall upon your mercy and to cry out to you and to let go of the, of the pride and let go of the maybe the hurt, whatever it is, God, and to be transformed by your power and your mercy to be servants, God, where we know whoever would humbly come before you and bow before you and receive your grace and mercy will then be a servant who is willing to do that to others around them. So we pray about for the marriages. We pray for families that are broken because of the kids' rebellion and their, their drug abuse and their alcoholism. Pray that you would restore them and help the parents find a way, help the kids, whatever, get these, um, those that have these addiction problems into rehab or you would just supernaturally touch them, God, bring them to church so that they yield their life over and they, they would completely surrender to you so that your Holy Spirit can heal them and guide them so that they replace the, the physical addiction with the wonderful spiritual addiction we have on you, which is your love and your grace. So we thank you, God, for this day, for your blessing upon our lives, and as you continue to go before us in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. That'll do it. So God bless you guys. We'll pick this up again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.